Hey, this is Dr. Evans Kariuki. Welcome to Firebrand Nation. Your life will never be the same as you go through these teachings. These are teachings for soul winners. Here at Firebrand Nation, we believe that we are called to reach one soul every second. This podcast is designed for soul winners who hunger and thirst to see the lost come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Go with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10. Tell your neighbor, abundant life. Abundant life. Life in abundance. Life in abundance. I enjoy preaching this topic. Actually, this is uh, topics that are very enjoyable for me to preach um, and very, very informative. Amen? John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you, that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That they may have life and they may have it how church more abundantly. Let's go back a little bit to a few other scriptures. We're going to John 10, 1. Verily I say unto you, that he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. By that door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Underline the word, leads them out, or leads them, leadeth them out. And when he put forth his own sheep, he go forth before them. And the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. The sheep follow, and they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they know not the voice of the stranger. Are we together? This parable is spake unto them, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Again, by me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved. The number one benefit, saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. Do you see that? I want us to take abundant life in context. In full context. The Bible says, Jesus appears and says, I am the door. And then he also says, I go before them and I bring the sheep salvation. And when I bring salvation, I also take them to a place of good pasture, a place where they can eat good pasture. 
a place where they can eat well. So what did Jesus say? Jesus said, not only am I the door, but I'm also the shepherd. I'm also the one who leads the sheep. So in the context of our own life, an abundant life, everyone wonders what will be the outcome of their life. What's my life going to be? What's going to be the outcome? Where, where, how will things fall into place in my life? And I look back at 2019, 2020, and things are crazy. But what is God's design and God's plan for my life? And the reality is the world we live in today is crazy. There are so many things that are happening in the world that are scary, that make you question your future, make you question uh, you know, your education. Am I even supposed, why am I going to school? You know, a lot of uh, this generation wonder, why do I need to go to school to learn what I can watch on YouTube? And everything we do pertain to life, pertain to the kind of life we live. And there is no one, whoever wakes up and says, I want to be a failure today. Everyone wants to succeed. How many of you want to succeed in everything God has called you to do? Whatever, whatever you decide to do, you want to succeed. If you want to go to school, you want to succeed in school. If you want to go, if you want to work at your job, you want, maybe not at your job, but you want to succeed at your job. If you want to go open a business, you want to succeed. Whatever life has called you to do, you want it to turn out to be a success. We want life in abundance. We want to succeed in abundance. We want the glory of God to be manifested in our life in abundance. Then Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The reality is in life you run into very many problems. You had a great plan of going to school and finishing school and getting this great job. And now you've postponed your degree three or four times. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything that we as believers begin, we begin with so much zeal, so much joy, so much excitement. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You enter a marriage with so much excitement, so much joy. And man, yours is the one that's going to be different. It's always yours that's going to be different. <laughs> but how many of you know there's a devil out there? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So pastor, how do I determine or how do I position myself to succeed in life? That's what we want to answer in abundant life. How many of you want to know how to position themselves to succeed in life. This season, we are going to be very practical. Very practical. Practical. Practically, how do we succeed in life? How do I walk into a life that at the end of my life, I can look back and say, Lord, truly, my life has been blessed. How do you finish like David? David got to a point in his life, the Bible says he was at a good old age, full of days. He has lived a full life from a shepherd to a king, a king to part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's a full life. That's an abundant 
life. Church, Jesus Christ came to die so that we ourselves may live. Jesus came to die so that we may live. De depression, oppression, frustration, the worries and the cares of life was not intentionally scheduled in your life. But there is a devil loose. The things that happen to us that bring us down, that tear us down, that was not God's original intent. But there is a devil loose. And we as believers must determine we are living in a cursed world. We are living in a world that's full of issues and problems. Then how do I still stand on the promise of abundant life in the middle of all this, in the middle of everything that goes wrong? The word abundant life in scripture is described as life to the fullest. The word life is the word zoe. Z-O-E or Z-O-E, Zoe. And Zoe is the God kind of life. God kind of life. What does that mean? It means that God has a design and a life for each and every one of us. The God kind of life. So if you put the words abundant life, I want to live the life that God has designed for me to the fullest. Do you see it? Abundant life. The Bible says that our days, your days, your life has been written in the book. The day you were born, your whole life, your, your, what you are going to do, when you are going to do it, how you are going to do it was written in the book. Was written down. That's what the scriptures say. So you living the Zoe life is living the life God has intended for you. Living the life God has planned for you. But you know, a lot of people have very many dreams, you know. We think, if today I got a million dollars, it will answer many of my questions, you know. It will answer. I, I wish I had a million dollar problems. I wish I, wish I had a million dollar problems. <laughs> it will answer everything. But the person with a million is worrying about 10 million. The person with 10 million is worrying about 50. The person with 100 is worrying about whatever it is. So there are certain things in life that if you chase, like money, you'll never have enough of it. So how, do you, how does God define life for you and I? Oh, oh, pastor, I know the answer, I know the answer. You know, God must define life by not being sad, not having a bad day. Wait a minute. God must define life and, and, and in, in, in no tears. No, no, no. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. So life is not the absence of trouble. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible says in this life you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The abundant life is to overcome every obstacle and every problem that comes your way. Oh, you know, success in ministry must be to have a global ministry. Success in ministry must be, you know, 
to have international influence and, 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 uh, and millions and millions of followers. Wait a minute. The Bible tells us of a small man named Paul. You know how Paul de defines success? He defines success that I may know him. Success to Paul was to know God and the fellowship of his suffering. To know God. That's how he defines success. Paul was a person, if you read his, his, his story, you'd think he suffered so much and life was not good. The Bible says he was shipwrecked. The Bible said he was, he was left for dead in fastings often, in persecutions often. Man, if you told me that's abundant life, I don't know if I want that kind of abundant life. But these men and women of God, they measured life in terms of eternity. You cannot put a measure on abundant life that, go, that is limited by what happens on this earth. You cannot measure abundant life by the things that just happen on this earth. For life to be abundant, I want you, I want you to, to understand what I'm saying. The word abundant, for life to be abundant, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that people lived up to 900 years. Was that abundant life? If God gave you a thousand years to live, have you lived abundant life? If God caused you to, to, to have the greatest success, financial success, and you live 900 years, is it considered abundant life? It doesn't become abundant life until it steps into eternity. What am I saying? Your life does not receive significance until you begin to impact eternity. Church, there are many things that we do on this earth that at the end of it will not even matter. There are many things that we hinge our life on we make the fulcrum of life and at the end of it, they won't even matter. There are many things that we are living for that a hundred years from now, they won't even matter. There are many things that we prioritize and consider them to be the ultimate goal, the ultimate objective, but at the end of it, it won't even matter. Only one thing and one thing matters when it's all said and done. When you stand before the Lord, we will look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Only what you do for God will last. Only what you do for God will last. And those words are fighting against the doctrine that you've been taught on social media. And the things that we see on social media, we compare our internal, eternal life, internal life with other people's external life. We compare what we believe on the inside with what we see of the outside of someone else's life. 
Oh, I must not be living a good life because I'm fully committed to the things of God and my friend in high school has this boyfriend that they've been playing around with. I must not be happy. And we, we are, our minds are, 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 are switched up with, with an idea of happiness and an idea of success and an idea of abundance. That's no idea at all. It's amazing. You know, I have, I have friends who are considered wealthy. Considered wealthy. I actually have friends who are... I was, I was having a conversation with my friend the other day. Uh, I was telling my wife about it. And he said, Evans, I've made so much money in the last quarter. We were looking at the quarter of his bill. I don't even know what to do with it. And he's like, I, I don't know what to do with it. And, um, and we're just having a small talk. So, but I've come to realize something. There comes a time when you've pursued wealth to a point that it doesn't even matter anymore. Look, look at the world's wealthiest people. They are now competing on how much they can give before they die. How much they can give. Oh, one says on the Wall Street Journal, I give 100 million to discovering the cure for broken nails. <laughs> you know, find a cause and they give to it. Some of my most wealthiest friends don't even care how they dress. I go, I go for lunches and dinners and I'm like, I know how wealthy this guy is, but regular blue jeans, t-shirt, don't even care. Could it be that once in a while, we are chasing something because we don't have it, not because it's important, but it's because we don't have it. One of the famous people was interviewed and said, um, what would you pay millions for? A superstar. He said, I'd pay millions to go back to the days when I would walk in the streets and nobody knew me. I'd go back to a normal life. There's this couple, married couple. They got, they got married in, in high school and the man got very successful, very successful. And they were successful together in marriage, right? And he immersed a lot of wealth. But when they got wealthy, the marriage began to have problems. The marriage began to have problems. And what ended up happening is he lost his wife. They divorced. And this is, this is a book I was reading. This is a written story. Written story. When his marriage broke, he said, our love was best when we had nothing. But we were so busy pursuing everything pursuing life that we lost track of the important things today we read we read the news in the last couple of in the last year bill gates divorced uh, the founder of amazon divorced divorced bezos divorced i am not against wealth <laughs> believe me i'm not 
What I'm saying is sometimes we think we are chasing abundant life while yet we have the best thing with us now. While we have, you have the best thing now. Sometimes we see abundant life as something we are going to have. And Jesus did not say, I will be the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus did not say, I will be the door. He said, I am the door. I'm not against wealth. I'm not against having a lot. Not at all. But with Christ and knowing who you are in Christ, you can be like Paul, whether you have it, whether you don't have it. On the inside, there is still abundance deep down on the inside of you. The Bible says life is not determined by the abundance of things. We don't measure our life by the abundance of the things we have. And it's enough, enough is enough of the church measuring a consideration of what they call abundant by the things we have. Abundance is found on the inside. And do you know what is true? When you have an abundance in your heart, an abundance of God, an abundance of revelation, an abundance of you know who God is and who you are in Christ, whether you're broke, you can get rich quickly. And when you're rich, you can get more and more wealthy quickly. David did not become who he was when he became king. No. He was built as a shepherd. Built as a shepherd. As a shepherd, David was a lover of God. You don't love God someday. You don't discover more of God someday. Your level of God is determined now. And that's what determines your abundance. Miles Monroe said, success is predictable. Success is predictable. People who are going to be successful are predictable. And then he defined it and said, it's because you can see how they are now. Their level of commitment their level of success now can determine how successful they'll be in the future. I've been reading a book trying to understand how men, uh, men of God have been formed. So I read a lot of ancient writings, ancient writings. And one of the writers wrote and said, actually John Wesley wrote and said, the responsibility of a man in Christian faith is held in two, in two uh, examples. There are two kinds of men who are truly saved. They are saved, but they fall into two categories. And you know the extent of a Christian man by how he treats his family and by how he treats his spouse. Are you understanding me? John Wesley and the writers in these books said, you know the extent by how he treats his family of his Christianity. And the scriptures tell us that a bishop or a leader in the things of God 
should first of all be a leader in his own house. That's what they were trying to compare, you know. Are we together? So I'm talking about predicting, predicting, predicting. So if you're engaged with somebody or you're talking to somebody, you're looking at someone you're going to marry, they are predictable signs of what kind of person they'll be. If you examine, the, their, their story was, if you examine people's home life, you can determine what kind of Christian they are. Are you understanding? The two, how many of you want to know the two categories of men? And we are going to touch it and leave it. We are not going to get stuck in men. We are going to touch it and leave it. Do we have a deal? Those of you online, we're just going to touch it and leave it. But it's in my spirit, so we'll talk about it. The, the two groups of men are broken down into the fully involved, fully involved, and the observing, the observing, the observant. So men approach God, men see God, men connect with God from a fully involved or I'm present, but I'm observing. They are not backslidden. They are not, they are not, not living for God, but a man will be fully devoted and involved or an observer. So men will come into the, the, the meetings, the crusades, they will sit and watch. That's an observer. And what they were saying is that is a prediction of how that person lives life because of how they connect with God. And one will come and be ready to be fully devoted to the things of... Are you learning something today? We're talking about abundant life. You know, it's all going to come together here shortly. I hope by now you're used to my way of teaching. It's going to come together here shortly. Amen? How many of you love deep thought and deep thinking? Like we think. So the devoted man, when it comes to his family, he is very spiritual with his family. Takes the position of a spiritual leader. Takes the position of a spiritual leader. Very spiritual. The observer, when it comes to spirituality, he gives the responsibility of spirituality to the spouse. So, hey, babe, please teach the children the Bible. Please take the children to church. So he values church, cares about church, but he wants the wife to do it. He's hit and miss in church, but doesn't hate God. Hit and miss in church, but doesn't hate God. When it comes to providing for his family, he expects his wife to do, to fend for herself. They are responsible. You've got to take care of some things for yourself. He's not coming together. It's fend for yourself. And that is, the, 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 the way this has been written is, they were saying that's how these two different groups of men come before the Lord. They tell God, God, I'm going to do this for myself, but you do this thing. There is a responsibility that they do it for themselves, and God, you do this other piece. They also expect a lot, but offer 
little. Expect a lot, but offer little. Are you there? Don't help with housework. Don't help around the house. But expect a lot of love. A lot of love. A lot of love. Are you, do you want to go back to the previous points? Or are you okay with this one? Uh, and I'm not saying that they don't love the person, but they expect a lot of love, but offer little. Offer little. They manage their own schedule, and the wife manages her own schedule and her own life. And they bring out examples in the Bible. Examples in the Bible. And so it is even with the things of God. God is going to fit into my schedule this way. And we as men wonder why we are not living the fullness of what God has called us to live. And we wonder why there is one type of, <coughs> you have a type, we have a man who gets born again today and by tomorrow they are maximizing their Christian life. And you wonder why have I been left behind? It's because you become an observer. Become an observer. A man wonders, why has my family gone out of line? It's because we stepped into becoming observers. Jesus says, I am the door and I am the shepherd. My sheep know my voice and no other voice will they follow. The, 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 the example that they gave also is the, the, the wealthy men in the Bible. The Bible said they went to Herod and said, we've heard that we've seen the sign that there is, uh, the child has been born. Then they said, we saw the sign, we heard the prophecy, and we went. We are going now to see. But a lot of people in the church, they hear, they see, but they never go. And a lot of Christians are good at hearing. Good at seeing. Oh, pastor, that was my word. But did nothing about it. Ever, ever hearing, but never coming to the knowledge. The reason why people don't walk into abundance is because they do not engage in action. We are good at hearing what God has done and what he will do. But to move this is a problem. Are you understanding the teaching? So the other kind of, the, 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 this, this man also is, he does not help deeply with the children. So he doesn't help deeply. In other words, he'll pay bills, he'll give money, but a deep involvement, build relationship, hug the children, call them son, love, it does not happen. Is this true or not true? I think it's true on this side. I don't know about this side. I don't know about this side. This man is busy with many things in life. Full schedule, busy with many things. He has a life outside the home that keeps him very busy and even in the work of God, has a life outside the work of God that keeps them very busy. You leave this man with the children, 
the children fend for themselves. The wife and the man don't engage in deep conversation, deep talks. It is very superficial. How was your day? Good, good day was good. Smile, bye, love you. Good night. No deep conversations. But my point to you is that is a reflection of their relationship with God. You ask the man to pray, they cannot pray in long prayers. They'll pray, uh, yeah, so God, it's me. Um, yeah, you doing all right today? <laughs> when problems come into the home, the man blames his wife more than he does take responsibility. Now, the other type of man, what, what did I tell you is called? Fully involved. Fully involved. He treats his house like he treats the church. They both do. They both do. Fully involved. Devoted. This other man is very spiritual. I'll give you that point. He also wants his family to be involved in ministry at the church. Not just attendance, but ministry at the church. So you must do this, put your children in this department, put the, go dance, go sing, go do this. Not just attend. This man is held by a high moral standard. Morality is very high. In other words, he will not do wrong because it's wrong to do it. He just won't do wrong. Like, I don't do it not because of the wife, but because it's just the wrong thing to do. Very high moral standards. He carries a lot of vision and a lot of passion and brings it into the house of the Lord. A lot of deep vision, deep passion. He's heavily misunderstood by his children as controlling and dictating the home because he says we are going to church not do you want to go to church are you understanding he's he's very driving in the house he never uses words like divorce separate uh yours and that one actually john wesley said uh no one of the writers uh said this man wants to use the wife's towel the wife's toothbrush, the wife, like he's, he's, there's no yours and mine. I'm, I'm, I'm reading off the book, by the way. Reading off the book. Reading off the book. So this is a book someone had studied different men in the church for many years. Are, are we together? Are you enjoying this? It's, it's coming together here shortly. Also, this man... Uh, does not involve himself in trivialities. Does not involve himself in trivialities. And will never report anything negative about his wife or his marriage. Nev never report anything negative about his wife and his marriage. Always painting a good picture. Treats his wife like a life partner. So if they own business, they own it together. If they sell sugar, they sell it together. Life partner. 
wants to do everything together as a family, go everywhere with his wife, and also wants to design and plan many romantic scenes. I'm reading of the book. Plans many romantic scenes. He feels his family and his wife are a gift from God for his life. Are you there? He is content with the present state of the family. I, I, the, the content with the present state of his family, though passionate about the dreams of the future. In other words, when you're devoted, abundance is not what you're going to have. The other man lived with an idea of what is going to happen, but he is devoted, committed. Abundance is now. 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 Are you seeing this? Does shopping for the family, buys medicine if the wife is sick. Uh, the wife doesn't have to ask for money. <laughs> that hit a spot. I declare you're never going to ask for money. There'll be money in abundance. Glory. Glory. And by the way, by the way, that is our covenant. We should never have to worry about these things. If you want, go get it from the tree. Just go get it. It's God's covenant. And we'll discover that in abundant life. Amen. Completely opens to his wife about everything, even the things she won't be happy to hear. Sleeps in her arms. Hey, Jesus, help this man. How many of you want to sleep in my arms, man? There is a problem in the house. Glory. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, glory. Is committed to his children learning the word of God in the house. Is kind to his wife, though very strict to his children. I don't know why. Kind to the wife's children. That's what it says sees his family as a reflection of God's blessing. Have I told you that? And is a spiritual leader in the house. I've told you that. Now, as I was studying this, I've come to find something out. And that's what the writer was bringing out. That these two different groups, these two different groups, when they examined many preachers and many leaders, they found out that how many of you think the, the devoted man has a better marriage than the other man? 
Which one do you think has a better marriage? Devoted man. Okay, which one do you think is treated better? Which one do you think is more appreciated? Which one do you think is more appreciated? Which one is more appreciated? Which one should be more appreciated? Devoted. Which one is more appreciated? There is a point. Sometimes, the things we have that are really significant and good to us are never appreciated in the moment. They are never appreciated in the moment. If you've ever been in a relationship before you're married, and let's say before you got saved, the girl who is saving herself for marriage is always trying to take you to church, trying to push you to the things of God. Naturally, that's the girl who is dishonored and not loved the most. But the, I was going to use a word, but I'm on the holy pulpit. The other one, the other one, whenever, whenever somebody cheats, they do more for the person they are cheating with than the person they're with. They do more. They buy more flowers, buy more things. Because our human nature rarely appreciates what we already have. So when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly, it doesn't mean may in the sense of maybe I'll give it to you, maybe I won't. No. It means you could have the best thing now and not even know it. You could be living in your best days now. And because our mind is always searching for something else, searching for something better, searching for the next best thing on Instagram, we don't appreciate what we have now. We don't appreciate what we have now. The boy was raised without a father, so he never appreciates any other man in his life. You're raised with, with racial tension, so God brings you people who are different, and you don't appreciate or value them because of what you're carrying on the inside. Could it be that we are missing out on abundant life while chasing life? Could it be that we are missing out on abundant life trying to chase life and comparing ourselves to others? 
Do you know somebody will quickly snatch up what you think you hate right now? Quickly. Quickly snatch up what you think you hate right now. Quickly. Do you have time for one more story? I think you do. One more. There was this there was this pastor's wife. True story. Pastor's wife. Let me tell you this one. This pastor's wife had a best friend. And the best friend was a female. And the female had another friend. So there were how many friends? Three friends. Three friends. And this girl used to work for the pastor's wife and then got married and left the, the work because she was the house help. She was the house help, then got married and left. And when she got married, she was very proud of her marriage. Very proud. Happily married, excited. New, new husband. I'm no longer a housewife. I'm moving on to bigger, better things. The pastor's wife began cautioning her about how she should enter her marriage. Enter your marriage. I've worked with you for X number of years. These are the areas I see you can be harmful in your marriage. Do this, do that, do this. I've been married long. Do this, do that, do this. And she said to the pastor's wife, my marriage will never be like yours. And she turned to the other friend. And now they became closer friends. So as they became closer friends, a year passed and problems began. True story. And honeymoon turned into a nightmare. And this girl would call the other girl and tell her all the bad things that this man has done. I made him soup. I put beans in the soup. I put tomatoes, onions in the soup. I mixed them up. And this man did not even say thank you. I'm cleaning the house. I feel like I'm back to being a house help. And he didn't even say thank you. And she would call the pastor's wife. And the pastor's wife would say, remember the conversation I told you. You're the one who needs to change in this marriage. She said, no, my husband, my husband, my husband. I said, ah, okay, no problem. Right at about two years, she had cried with this other girl, complained with this other girl, and she said, I've had enough. So she left the man. She left him. She said, all he does is he's always in the church. Never appreciates me as a wife. Remember, they, they fellowshiped in the same place. Left him. And who was she complaining to? The other girl. And the other girl told her, 
when you leave him, it's even a good thing because of how stressed you are. You know, sometimes your friends just want you to be happy. So they tell you, I'll leave him so you can be happy. How many years has it been, church? Two years. Leave him so you can be happy. This is a true story. So she left him. And she goes, she left the church. This was in Africa. Left the church. Uh, the man continued. Then one day she comes back. And she goes to the man's house. <laughs> How many of you know what happened? True story. She goes to the man's house. And she still, the lock was still the same. She walks into the house and smells beans, onions, and tomato soup is cooking in the house. Do you know, do you know what is, uh, this, this is why this story made me laugh. Do you know what is hot pants? Hot pants. Hot pants. Hot pants. Those small shorts. Those small shorts. Whatever you call them. We're, we're almost done, y'all. Yeah. yeah, help them. Help them a little bit. Help, help a preacher. Help a preacher. Help a preacher. What are, what are those? Daisy Dukes. Did I say it right? Did I say it right? Guess who she found in the kitchen? She found the same friend who said, leave him, leave him, leave him. Right. Leave him to me. She did not finish her statement. She meant leave him to me. Leave him to me. She found the same person who was complaining about the man in the house making soup in hot pants. What is it? Daisy Dukes, whatever. Those shots. And she said, she said, my friend who I told everything about my husband My point to you is what you think is bad someone else is saying leave it to me. Leave it to me. Leave him to me. What you think is the worst someone else is saying leave him to me. Church, in this series of Abundant Life we're going to learn many life principles and things we can do but the greatest thing you can have in your life is Christ. No bank account, no success that life brings you will ever match what you already have 
and that's Jesus. And we are going to talk about getting all those things. We're going to talk about everything else. But don't give up Jesus for some Daisy Dukes. Everyone standing in the house of the Lord. Everyone standing in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Hallelujah. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Father, we come before you and step into abundant life. Lord, so many of us have many questions about tomorrow, questions about our future, but you say you are the good shepherd. You are presently the good shepherd. You are the door, presently the door. You, it's your voice we know, presently we know your voice right now. You're the real gift, you're the real thing. It's you that we really love. It's you that we really desire. And everything else is added to the package. Now bless your people with more of you. Bless your people with an abundance of your will, an abundance of your plan, an abundance of your glory in their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Put your hands together and give God glory. Give God praise if you're living in abundance right now. Give God praise if abundant life is now, now, now. Give him a great shout in Jesus' mighty name. Give him a great shout. Give him a great shout. Give him a great shout in Jesus' mighty name. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly believe you have been blessed. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to join Firebrand Nation, the movement, connect with us on social media at Firebrand Nation. Go to our website at www.firebrandnation.com. Remember, alone I'm a flame. Together we are a fire. Like, share, and distribute this so that others could be blessed. God bless you.